Hello, and welcome back to a special episode of Return to Gilead. I'm Michael LaFaver. And I'm Ryan Matlock. And today we are pleased to welcome Randy Heckman to the show. Randy, welcome to Return to Gilead. It's great to have you here. Thanks for coming. Well, thank you. Good to be here. Thank you. So for those of you who don't know, um, can you describe what your position or what your role with Down Gilead Lane was and uh, I guess what your background of the show was? Yeah, I uh, was became the executive director. I'd been on the board of, of a, it was called Children's Bible Hour in the time. Now, today it's called Keys for Kids Ministry. Had been on the board, uh, involved uh, background is in law was a prosecuting attorney, judge, and then I left that to get involved in the nonprofit segment of the world. And uh, I've also got a little business on the side as well in energy-related things. But uh, we uh, actually, as, as on the board, we were looking for a new director because Uncle Charlie, who was the uh, previous director, was getting to the point where he needed to be kind of replaced. And uh, we, we put out a, re, a search, we interviewed a bunch of people, and we didn't never found anybody that quite could get the job done. And then God began to talk to me, and I said, you know, I, I could probably do this. Well, my board grabbed hold of that fact, and I became <laughs> the director. And uh, that was uh, in the, uh, I guess, March of 1999. Um, wow. And anyhow, um, so we came on board, and we had a, a program that had been in existence for almost 60 years, and it was aging. Uh, wasn't, you know, compared to Adventures in Odyssey that uh, Focus on the Family put put on, um, it was no comparison. We were losing stations, so we began to pray about what to do, and uh, we ended up uh, ultimately with Down Gilead Lane, and it was really a, a work of of God. Uh, God brought people together, the right people, and it was just kind of an amazing thing to be involved in. Yeah. Yeah. Ryan and I are going through the first episodes of the show. We just finished <laughs> reviewing season one. Mm-hmm. And one thing we brought out is that it's amazing how great the chemistry between these actors are with, well, your kids who are on the show, Kelly Burnett, um, who else? At least as cool as, as Maya. And then uh, the the Mueller's are fantastic actors. And I, I've heard little bits of them interacting with Beth Culp in the, the first couple episodes. And it's it's just it really is a God thing about how, how all that came together. It totally was. I mean, it was. We, we initially were, were going down one direction since I was a former uh, juvenile court judge. Mm-hmm. I thought of the concept calling it home court. Yeah. <laughs> and that I would sit as a judge and hear these disputes, you know, family disputes and so on. So we, we actually wrote some scripts down that road, but then we, it just, we kind of reached a little bit of a dead end and... Uh, we ended up, uh, thanks to the, you know, God brought along Beth Culp, who uh, really amazing. I mean, she, I, I would give her so much of the credit for the direction we went and the heart as far as writing and so on. Just God, again, was so amazing to bring just the right people together. The writers, the actors, you know, music, everything else just was kind of amazing. Can you tell us a little bit about Home Court? Because I know uh, a little bit about what Steve O'Dell has said about it on the Slow Walk Down Gilead Lane, that fan podcast. But uh, what was the what was the pitch for that show, and how was it different from Down Gilead Lane? Well, again, I, I'm drawing on my memory here to some degree, <laughs> and I, I <laughs> Steve might have a better remembering of what actually took place. And he's a good friend, by the way. He's helped mm-hmm. me subsequent. Uh, he's such a good guy. But um, yeah, again. But, 
my thought was here I, I was a judge people have issues and uh, let's let's have a let's have a program that uh, they come before the judge and then they resolve it in a biblical way and uh, again we wrote some scripts and in fact I looked at them in the last few days just to kind of get my memory refreshed <laughs> oh, okay. a bit but uh, I mean, it was good <laughs> but it it just didn't gel then we we, we you know with with Beth Culp, and I don't know how much you know about her background, but and I, I know she wouldn't greatly mind. But when she was younger, uh, you know, maybe nine, ten years old, one of, she had a traumatic experience that her her older brother, who was kind of her hero, was killed. Oh no! And uh, she just went into this black hole, as she described it, and uh, and then she uh, went to Taylor University. In fact, one of my daughter, my third-born daughter, um, became friends with her at Taylor, and that's really it was through my daughter, frankly, that we got to know Beth and ended up hiring her. But it was at uh, Taylor University where she again she was just in this just black hole, as she described it, just this dark place. But then the shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept, somehow touched her. And she said, you know, if Jesus could weep, knowing, you know, that Lazarus was dead, and yet knowing also that he was going to raise him back to life again, but he can care, then he cares about me and my hurt. And somehow God brought her through that and a few other things out of that hole. But because she was, she had that, even as a younger age, had that wide diversity of emotion and, and spiritual battles and, and uh, situation, she was able to write in a way that somebody who was, you know, in their 20s normally could not. I mean, she brought such depth. Yes. And, and she really brought the whole concept of of grace and, and down Gilead Lane was really her theme. And, and uh, she really brought so much of that to us. And as we began to pray about it, we just really sensed that was the direction we should go. And... Uh, the rest is history, as they say. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. That's great. If I remember correctly, in the beginning, it was Beth Culp, Sarah Osinski, and Leah Gardner were the main writers on the show, right? Yes, that's right. But Beth was really the the cornerstone of, of all the writing. It was good to have the The others were great as well. They, they did an awesome job. But I really, again, Beth brought so much of just the heart of the story uh, to us. And what a gifted woman of God she was and is. Um, so mm -hmm. yeah, very gratified and, and owe her much. How much do you remember of the early episodes of the show with the underlying plot with Grace or the little things that the Morrisons were going through back then? Uh, some, but not just a ton. I actually listened to one episode today just to kind of prepare for us talking. Mm -hmm. But it was a, it was later one. I, I was looking through our archives. And I found season four actually, and and I was able to play just one of those episodes. And our our youngest son um, Nathan, who's now almost twenty nine years old, but he, he was <laughs> he played the role of Timmy. His middle name is Timothy, by the way, which is kind of interesting. interesting. <laughs> but uh, he was called Fish and Slips. Um, yep, love that episode. That's great. Oh, I'm telling you, what a job he did. <laughs> it, it made it brought tears to my eyes. It was mm -hmm. really amazing. I just God again was all over every part of this. We prayed through and worked through, and and you know made changes as needed. But 
again, don't want to take really credit other than just being used by God, and, and so many others did. I mean, those recording sessions. <laughs> What's kind of funny, too, is, you know, the the, uh, the father, uh, John, in Down Gilead Lane, is a judge. <laughs> and I just remember, <laughs> yeah. well, and that I actually spent 15 years doing that, and I thought, I've got a voice. <laughs> I can read. <laughs> so I tried out for that role and I could not hold a candle to Roger Mueller. What a, and he and his wife just, fabulous. just to watch them re- record was so, I mean, they were, they were in the moment. I mean, you could just, they were there. I mean, what incredible acting ability God has given them. So I, I'm so glad they didn't choose me. It would have, would have not worked, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> So when you would record those, was it a round table like everybody was in the studio at once? Well, yeah. I mean, they had to go in the place where it was pretty soundproof and so on, and we'd be right. back in the con- control room. But yeah, pretty much we'd we'd be there, and you know, we'd ha- we'd have a meal that we would have for the folks after they were done recording. And again, Roger and Jill would come from uh, the Chicago area, as I recall. There was such a sense of unity; it was really beautiful. What was the casting decision? Because I know there were originally a different set of actors for uh, Mary and John, uh, and then you guys settled on the Mueller's as a, as a different pair of voices. Do you remember that at all? I honestly don't, but I'm not surprised. But somehow, again, it was connecting, I think, with Moody, mm-hmm. right, if, if, right. I'm, if I'm not mistaken. And they recommended them, and we listened to them. We thought, oh, they, they nail it. So how about for the kids? Because we're... And listening through the first season, there have been several times where you said that acting from, you know, Nathan is absolutely fantastic. And Kelly Burnett does a great job in a lot of her scenes. And um, and Laurie, too. Uh, there are several spots where she really, really delivers those lines. So how did you find all the kids? Well, we did. We auditioned initially for home court. I was looking on my computer. I still have the files. We did initial tryouts and so on for the home court thought and uh, we know we have different things that they read and so on. But we really, because it's 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 all audio, we needed the voices to sound different from each other, mm-hmm. so that you could recognize who was speaking when they were talking. And uh, so that was one of the criteria that we had. But then the ability to communicate, you know, meaningfully and so on. So I mean, it, it took quite a while to to figure out who who ought to be what voice. And uh, but we we're very happy, you know, with the group that we came up with. Mm-hmm. What was it like having your kids as the voice actors, like being the producer of the show? Can you talk a little bit about that? Well, obviously, as a dad, you're proud of them. <laughs> yeah. And both of them, by the way, went on to, to do acting, certainly in high school and, and college. Oh, that's fun. Uh, for Lori, at least. And uh, Lori now is our, our, she's our ninth born. And uh, she's married. They have three kids. And uh, she's in ministry. And uh, just so proud of all of all twelve of them. I mean, it's just amazing that each one of our children is a unique creation, have their own strengths and weaknesses. But both both Lori and Nathan went on to do acting, and they're incredible. God has just blessed them. And and again, I take no credit for that. That's God has made them that way. We got a daughter, our second born, is an incredible musician. She's writing music. Uh, Christian music, and uh, you know she she's just a godly woman as well. I mean, every one of them. Just I I, I I'm just overwhelmed at the reality of what God does when He makes kids. And uh, mm-hmm. again, I I wrote a book, you know, called Sweeter by the Dozen, 
subtitle, Making Jesus the Lord of Our Family Size. And that came out a couple years ago. But we don't talk much about that as followers of Christ. We say, well, to the decision on, you know, how many kids to have and so on is, is all our choice. And, you know, one or two maybe. But, you know, in light of how scary the world is and how expensive kids are and so on, we, you know, you know that's, that's our job. But wait a minute. I thought, Jesus, if you're truly a follower of Christ, isn't he supposed to be Lord of every area? And is this not an extremely important area of letting him decide children made in his image that have the potential of influencing time on this planet and the world on this planet and then living forever? Is this a small decision? Anyhow, it's not something that we thought about much when we got married 52 years ago. Wow. But I'm telling you, it's really changed. And we are so grateful to God that he changed our heart along the way, especially my heart. Uh, Marcia was open, uh, my wife. But anyhow, uh, and the fact that you were able to have Lori and uh, Nathan you know, be actors uh, and influence lives on down Gilead Lane and now continue to touch lives is a total credit to him, to God. That's fantastic. That is great. So what your role look like behind the scenes, like practically as executive producer? Yeah, again, I was there to hire the people that would do the production. Uh, Steve O'Dell and Aaron B. Mm-hmm. What an amazing guy he was. I don't know if you've talked with him or not, but he's now a pastor in the Chicago area. But <laughs> people would who had been around him uh, would, would admit that, uh, boy, he would come to a machine that wasn't working and it was almost miraculous. I mean, a few <laughs> seconds later, that thing would work. I mean, it was just phenomenal, this guy. And uh, Steve O'Dell, what a heart of service that man continues to have. So anyhow, we'd hire those group. I helped with the auditions and figuring out who ought to be in what role. Uh, you know, hire the writers and oversee that. And then after the, the, the thing was written, one of the more fun times we had, believe it or not, was to name that episode. Oh, cool. And we would often go out to eat together, a group of us, you know, and we'd sit around a table. And that's, I, I can remember especially the one called Fish and Slips. <laughs> <laughs> and someone came up with that, we all said, yes, that's it. So those were fun times. So those were some of the roles we played, motivating people, encouraging people, um, you know, just you know, some influence in, in the storyline and but pretty much the writers had a, a lot of uh, freedom. And my, my way of running anything is get the right people, understand what the roles are, and turn them loose. Give them permission to even make mistakes. Nothing's fatal. But if you keep over-directing them, then that's, that's not a good environment in which to work. You got to let people, you got to get the right people and then give them the, the latitude to do their, their best. Uh, you mentioned fish and slips. Are there any other episodes that were your favorite when you remember producing them, or or is that one a standout for you? Well, that one just comes to mind, but a lot of them, I loved them. You know, they they our goal in each program was to have our audience do two things: to to laugh and to cry. And and we really had someone told us along the way, and I think it's profound, is that there's really only been one good story that's ever been written. And that's the story where this powerful person, out of love, gives an ultimate sacrifice to the one that he loves. Obviously, 
you know what story we're talking about, but it's interesting that any movie you go to or any story you hear, if it has that theme in it, where out of love someone makes a, a very precious, valuable sacrifice for the one that he or she loves, our heart goes, oh, I love that. And so if we could get that in, in every episode, we, we would do so, where, where people not only learn an important lesson, but 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 a, a gift is given of some kind. Now, we didn't do that in every episode, but the ones that we could do that in, it, it, they would resonate so much with our audience. Yeah, there are still people to this day who talk about this was my like this is my favorite episode or this theme really mm-hmm. stuck out to me. And there were several times like you uh, we mentioned fish and slips. Um, in that episode, one thing I found interesting is that Timmy is dealing with an issue, and this is common in in a lot of the episodes. But he's dealing with an issue that on another show or another kids show would be oh yeah this is something funny, but let's talk about a bigger plot that's going on. But mm-hmm. that that issue that Timmy's struggling with ends up being kind of kind of significant for for him and Mr. Key and yes. the parents really hammer home to him no you need to this is the responsibility you need to have and mm-hmm. he learns mm-hmm. a seeming a seemingly small lesson that uh on another show would just be a small lesson but in in this show it's the main focus of the series so was there a different kind of focus as far as the lessons or, or themes went that they were so so focused like that yeah i i think you know that we did have Things. Look, this is what we would like our, our audience, the, the children, and sometimes the parents as well, to learn how to better parent, how to, to own responsibility as a child, how to, to be honest, to be truthful, to be kind. Um, so we would talk about things like that, things that we wanted our audience to, to learn and to, to, uh, to incorporate into their own lives. Well, that's great. That is really, really great. So why did you eventually leave the show? Um, because you're you're credited for seasons one through five, and then Simon mm-hmm. Guevara, who's credited as producer and um, director for a couple of episodes before then, uh, became executive producer. So can you tell us a little bit about the story behind that? Yeah, I uh, again before before I went to uh, uh, the ministry children's Bible hour again is what it was called in those days. Um, I had been working for a couple of years in a uh, science project slash business. And uh, again, my <laughs> undergraduate degree was at MIT, and I love physics oh, wow. and all sorts of things. So the, the whole area is, is what's called low-energy nuclear reactions, L-E-N-R. And um, I really wanted to discover a new source of energy, to be very honest with you, that was safe mm-hmm. okay. and so on. So I'd spent a couple of years working on that and uh, did not come to any great conclusion. And so then uh, rather than continue to ask my investors to continue to invest in me, that's when I went to uh, Children's Bible Hour and, and down Gilead Lane. But then after we got the program going, I, I got another insight on how I thought we could discover this energy source. And uh, I really felt led of God to uh, move on. And uh, I didn't think that Down Gilly Lane depended on me to, for its survival or continuation. And obviously, that, that was accurate. So that was pretty much my motivation in, in going. So yeah. That's so interesting. So have you discovered anything? Uh, not, 
that next round, but believe it or not, I've been working on this thing pretty much back burner for the last 25, 26 years. And wow. in fact, I continue to work on it with a physicist friend of mine. Again, very much in you know, back burner. I'm in another ministry right now uh, called the Grand Awakening. Mm-hmm. We've been working at that for about five years, getting uh, churches here in the greater Grand Rapids area, praying together, working together for what America so desperately needs is a, another spiritual awakening, such as really brought healing to our country a number of times in our history. America's in trouble these days. I don't need to spend a lot of time convincing you of that. And uh, yeah. and we really believe it. It's a, it's, government can't fix it. Uh, government is a reflection of where our culture is, and our culture is a reflection of the health of the church. And very frankly, the mm. church in America needs to be revived and fully brought back alive again. And uh, so that's what we're praying for and working for. So that's that's what we're doing. Simon Guevara works on, with you on that uh, project, right? I think I was thinking of you interviewed him one time uh, on a podcast, wasn't it? Or something having to do with Grand Awakening? Yeah. Yes, I did. Oh, I did. Yes, I did. I interviewed him. Yes. But he's my son-in-law. Oh, he is? Oh, okay. I don't know if you knew that. He's married to our third daughter. He's a pastor in the Chicago area. They have five kids, five grandkids. But uh, he's very talented. He comes out of the TV business. Uh, he was uh, in the news business uh, in a local uh, tele- commercial television station. When he came to Faith in Christ, he met my daughter. They got married. And uh, he's very talented in uh, media. And so we hired him. And uh, he did a great job, but then he went off to be a pastor, which is what he is now. That's cool. That's cool. So how did he how did he get involved in Down Gilead Lane, and how did he take over the executive producership? Well, again, I, I hired him because we were looking for someone to do marketing for us, and, and that was one of his specialties. And he's also very talented just in lots of things, but certainly uh, TV, radio, and that sort of thing. So he uh, came on board, and and as as I left, um, he was picked to to help carry the ball for the next uh, little bit before he left to uh, get into the pastor role. Well, that's great. That's great. I have like a random question. I, you don't have to include it in the interview, but Hannah wanted to know. <laughs> it's not, it's just a very random thing. Okay. Um, she was asking about the producing side of things, um, and with. Um, John and Mary being married in real life, she was curious if, like, in scenes where they kissed, did they just make the sound effect or did they actually kiss? <laughs> oh, it was so fun. They were at separate microphones. <laughs> so when they would kiss, I, I can remember Jill bringing her hand up to her mouth and, you know, doing one of those things. <laughs> but I'm telling you, when they were pretending to eat, I mean, they were moving their hands, and I mean, it's just they were in the moment. They were they're incredible. Oh, that's awesome! Incredible, yeah. So you've talked a lot about how God was really the center of the whole production, and how all the glory goes back to Him for this whole thing. Uh, Ryan and I are getting into audio drama production, uh, and so for us, and maybe for other people who are who are interested in it, um, is there advice that you would offer us on how to keep God at the center and how to continually point back to Him? Well, again, prayer. And giving it to God, don't make it your thing. Just say, God, this is yours. We want to do this for your glory. And then just getting the right people. And again, over time, I've hired tons of people. 
And the most important decision is hiring. (laughs) They say hire slow and fire more rapidly. (laughs) Uh, It's not fun to fire. I don't care how rapidly or not rapidly you do it. It's, It's just getting, you know, praying about the right people and uh, just feeling peace in your heart uh, that you're getting the right folks and uh, then making it clear to each person that's working with you what you're expecting from them. Uh, you know, job descriptions, I think, are important. And then to turn people loose, to to get the job done and uh, but praying through it all the time. And, uh, and when it, when it has success, don't take it on yourself. Just give it to God. And uh, I can't think of Down Gilead Lane without being amazed at how God orchestrated the right people to come together mm-hmm. um, during those days. And uh, so I, I just I'm left with with just an incredible sense of gratitude. Well, thank you so, so much for sharing your thoughts. This has been really, really fun to hear about the early days of DGL and to hear your insight into it. So Thanks, Randy, for giving of your time. and uh, My pleasure. Good being yeah, with you. I really appreciate it. Anything you'd, you'd want to share about the Grand Awakening or projects you're doing right now on the podcast? Uh, just uh, that, you know, to pray. You know, the someone has said, uh, a great person that studied revivals, that there's never been a spiritual awakening in any country or nation that did not begin in united prayer. And so just encourage your listeners to be praying in our country for the church to be revived, leading to a, the, the biggest great spiritual awakening that we've had. We, we so desperately need it, and we really believe that God's doing it. There's a lot of people around the country that are praying toward this end, but then to say, Lord, use me in any way you want. Again, as we look to Christ, again, we're making this recording between um, Good Friday and, and Easter, but as we as we look to Jesus for what he did mm-hmm. for us, how can we do less than say, Lord, whatever it takes? And, uh, and if, if we could get Christians across the country, even 10% of the, the, the real born-again Christians to, to do that, I really think we're going to see a major move of God in, in, in our land. And uh, he gets, again, all the glory for that. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you for sharing. And I'm, I'm sure many of our listeners who are... <laughs> Hopefully everyone will be praying for you all. So I appreciate it. Thanks so much for what you're doing and what you did with DGL. And thank you for your time today. Yes, thanks. Well, thank you. God bless you guys. God bless you. And for you who are listening, I'm Michael. And I'm Ryan. And we'll see you again next time as we return to reviews on our return to Gilead. <laughs>